Great. Um, so those of you who were around a few weeks ago will realize, is Melanie in the house? Melanie. Uh, a few weeks ago, Melanie read a very large section of Scripture, and we loved it so much that we can get you to read two chapters of the Bible this morning, because uh, we're finishing chapters 27 and chapter 28. But actually, now I'm just joking. You're looking actually quite nervous, thinking, I was going to actually ask you to come and do it. You're thinking... Uh, but actually, I'm not. We come to. We've got. We're going to just read the last bit in a minute. But chapters 27 and 28. If you get your Bible open, if you want to, those bits of it. There's a fascinating, but also a long section of scripture on page 1125. Um, and what we've got is this detailed account of the 2,000 over 2,000 mile voyage that Paul takes. Remember, he's still a prisoner. He's accompanied by his friends, by Luke and by Aristarchus, and they complete their journey to Rome. Now, there are several stages in this amazing voyage. Those of you who know the, the passage will know that. They actually change. They travel through on three different boats to complete their journey. They're traveling at a time of the year when actually the sailing conditions aren't great. I'm no sailor, but I know traveling in the winter isn't necessarily the brightest thing to do. And this was 2,000 years ago. And so when they get to Crete which is about halfway, as you'll see in the map there, uh, above, above, which is kind of an estimation of what their journey actually was. They drop anchor because it's November. Actually, those who know the Med will know that you don't really travel during the winter. And all Paul then prophesies and says we're going to face disaster. But actually, they don't listen to Paul. They listen to the kind of the sailors, as our world tends to do. And they set sail. What then happens is a great storm encompasses them and they try everything to survive, everything to elude and to survive this great storm. They can't navigate because they can't see the stars, they haven't got the sun because the storm is over them. And so some estimations are that they get very close to the African coast, others have it less closely, there was no Strava uh, at that time for those who understand that. Um, so actually, they're very disorientated uh, when they come after 11 or so days in this storm. And they find them right at rock bottom at the end of this storm. And actually, when they're at rock bottom, Paul, they're starving, they're thirsty, they're disorientated, the storm continues to rage. Paul shares an encouraging vision with them in the midst of this, that they're all going to survive and just off Malta, uh, Malta, I'd forgotten where Malta is, just off the tip of Italy, uh, believe Sicily, sorry, uh, just a small little island off there. Their ship finally gets stuck on a sandbank and breaks apart, but all 276 of those on board are saved. We had an interesting conversation in our life group this week about uh, their stay in Malta. We wondered whether it's a holiday. That's being slightly frivolous uh, on kind of the middle of those times. But we see during that time where they're on Malta for over three months, actually Paul survives a snake bite. They expect him to die. But miraculously he survives and then goes on to heal both some of the leaders but also quite a number of the community. And they look after them there in Malta. We're now going to have our Bible reading, which is the last section of chapter 28. Rach is going to bring us our Bible reading uh, this morning. The reading is chapter 28 from verse 17 to the end, and it's on page 1126. 
Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, My brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning until evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and the law of Moses and from the prophets he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made his final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Great, thank you, uh, Rach. Then, then we see, so what we find is, Paul in this last section, there's a very, after the drama of a shipwreck, their lives nearly being lost, but also surviving. It's a straightforward um, trip that start, starts in Sicily, then on to uh, beneath Rome in Puteoli, um, where the, actually what's noticeable, Paul also finds other Christians to encourage on the way, and finally he gets to Rome. Finally he gets to Rome. And three days after that, he meets some of the Jewish leaders who are intrigued, but also maybe concerned. And it's right at the end there, it explains that actually he spends two years, two years, although under house arrest, but also has the freedom to be able to speak of the kingdom of God to those around him. And some believed. So this morning, I just want to do some simple things, just very briefly, is just pick up a few themes as we come to the end of Acts that we find. So firstly, I want us to think about what it means to keep faithful. Joseph has got us thinking that at the beginning. Bear in mind, Paul, how much Paul has endured to this stage. What's extraordinary is that sense of perseverance, that armed with God's promise on his life, armed with a very clear call, and a very clear conviction that this is what he was meant to do on his life, 
Paul is keeping going faithful to the end. At the beginning of Acts, in Acts 1.8, we see what the kind of mission is here. The call is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. What started in Jerusalem ends up in Rome, in what at that time was known as the center of the kind of the world. And what we find here is Paul completing that journey. Paul's faithful to the call that God has placed on his life to the end. Faithfulness to Christ. To put Christ first, even when all the opposition and the things that came against him, he stuck. He stuck fast. He stuck true. And even in the passages we read and also some of the bits before in the kind of storm sequences, we find people speaking God's word and people not listening. They got shipwrecked. Even when the snakes attack you, Paul held the line. He held firm. He chose to pick up his cross and to follow and to do it daily where God had called him and God had led him. Through our attacks, I hope as part of what we've done as we've gone through it, you've got a sense that Paul is continuing the ministry of Jesus. He's picking up the baton of what God, God had called his people to do. To do the will of the Father, to continue the mission and ministry of Jesus, to speak and preach the gospel. We find Paul doing this right to the end, speaking of the kingdom of God with whoever will come and listen to it, to heal the sick. We see healing the sick in Malta. To speaking words of life when God speaks, he has the courage to keep speaking it, even when it's not listened to. To speak of God's kingdom, to be faithful to God. Paul, who's renowned as known the apostle to the Gentiles, is constantly breaking new ground and he gets to the final destination of what God has called him to. I've said a few times, probably relatively recently in the last year, that the Bible paints a picture of our walk with God as a narrow road that leads to life. A narrow road that leads to life. And are you on it? There are so many different temptations we all face. There's so many things, there's so many challenges that come to us that encourage us to take wrong turnings, whether that's for us as a church or us personally or in your family. Some of the ups and downs of life, some of the things life has thrown at us can also set us off, off course very quickly. Kind of without know it, we've taken a detour, we've got off the road and we're stuck in the bushes effectively. And this morning you may say, well, Tim, life is tough. You're not being realistic. Martin Luther, the great reformer, put it this way. He said, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. How much does it matter to you this morning to be faithful? God is calling you that life and inviting you again as we come to worship and we do it each Sunday, calling you back to him today. If you've gone off, off track, come to the one who is faithful to you. Secondly, I want to think about uh, adding and spreading. As someone who used to be an accountant, I, it is in the past, uh, I want to encourage you that actually throughout this 
book of Acts, but also here, even towards the end, see an incredible amount of, in Paul's life, there's lots of comments about Paul's life, particularly in the last 30, 40 years in biblical scholarship, lots of unpicking of all sorts of aspects of, of who he is. But I, if you struggle sometimes with some bits of it, just take a moment this morning to grasp what Paul is showing us. Yes, he has amazing thinking, amazing theology, bright, sharp mind, renowned worldwide, an incredible sharp mind. But he's also giving us a picture of the kingdom of God on display. He doesn't just rely on his arguments, but he shows us his pastoral insight. He shows us the instincts of a church planter and a missionary. He shows us, um, but he also shows us the power of God on display, that the God of love comes in power in a real way to show his kingdom, to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. People are saved, people are healed, prophetic words are given. And for all our intellectual wrestling over Paul's words and some of the things that means, I kind of sometimes as well, some of that's good and I do enjoy having a conversation around that. But we need to avoid the temptation, I think, that is real for us. Those who particularly live in the professional world and the middle class world is this. Is that some words that Karl Barth, who was one of the greatest theologians ever to live, and he said, reminding us to say this, the word became flesh. That's what we're going to celebrate at Christmas. The word became flesh. And then through the theologians, Bart says, it became words again. Paul is adding and subtracting to God's kingdom. That's what we're called to do. We're called to bless. We're called to give. We're called out of all the goodness and faithfulness that God has given us. We have a capacity to spread, to give, to add, not to subtract. As we see his words and we see him going from town, and I realize this is all new territory that we're reading with Paul as he goes to spread the good news in places who've never heard of Jesus. But we need to not confuse that with that's just Paul. We're in the same line. God continues to call his people, to call them by name and to call them out for him. To call us by name and to call them out. You have a capacity to bless lots of other people. Each one of us here today not a special person or a perceived special person or a really gifted person, whatever, all of us. The call in our life as we've been blessed is to be a blessing to others, to give away what God has given us. We are gospel spreaders. And of course, you know, I've been a Christian just nearly about 50 years. And my hope as I stand before God and as I look before God is that what I'm able to do now, 40 years down the line, is different to what it was 40 years ago. There's growing, there's maturing, there's learning, and I've still a long way to go. I understand that completely. But actually, it's that sense of God wanting to enable us to keep walking with him, to keep being used by him, to give away, to spread, to add. And actually, it doesn't start with some great initiative next year, next month. It simply starts today. To say, Lord, I'm in. Whatever your call is on my life. 
I'm in. I'm called to give away. I'm called to bless. I'm called to share. I'm called to add. The great temptation in our, one of the great temptations of our culture is to sit and observe. I get that. I'm part of the same culture as all of us. But you'll come alive when you start to participate. When you allow the Spirit of God to get at work in your life and to give life away and to serve him. It was John Wimber, the um, great vineyard leader, who famously captured the phrase that sort of shapes some of the vineyard movement that everybody gets to play. Everyone gets to play. All its every member ministry might be a sort of more Western Anglican type way we'd express it. So this morning, the call on your life, if you are a Christian, is simply and humbly to bless others, to spread what God has given you to somebody else. And that's what we see Paul doing all the time, even in this most dramatic encounter. Thirdly, I just want to talk about staying connected. Paul doesn't travel alone. Paul doesn't travel alone. He's with Luke, which is why this is such a an amazing narrative that has lots of detail in it, that's full of life, because actually Luke was part of the journey that as he wrote this account of Paul's uh, trip to Rome, but also of Aristarchus as well. And even though he's still a prisoner on a journey, you see he takes time in each place to meet with Christians, to pray with Christians, to journey with Christians, to worship with Christians, to share with Christians, to encourage other Christians. Christians were made for community. We really aren't at our best on our own. We really aren't. And I say that from many years of experience and sometimes my own stupidity at trying to do life on my own. And so actually when I talk simply about connecting, what I'm simply saying is that finding some people to pray with, finding some people to serve with, finding some people to join in on a rotor with, finding people to, to do all the different ways isn't because we're trying to lay a heavy burden on your shoulders that somehow we're going to try to curse you, but actually saying by participating, being part of God's body, finding a place to serve, finding a place to journey with other people by playing your part, actually you will come alive. One of the greatest difficulties is finding that. And I recognize that, I understand that. Sometimes it's complicated trying to find that place and to find that way. But the thing is this, if you don't find that, if you don't place yourself in that place, you will eventually dry up. It's really sort of cause and effect in many ways. You know, actually if we want to be alive, we want to share, we want to give, then actually we need to choose to, to make time for his family, for God's church, for his family, for his people. Find a way of connecting. Find some people to join a life group. Pray together. All the other ways I've talked about, come and chat to one of the staff or one of the other people in the church and say, I'm struggling and find a way forward with that. You know, with, sorry, this isn't a rant, but actually with all that technology offers us, it's extraordinary how all that time on our own, using some of those things, while they can do amazing things, is also starving us of the human interaction that we were made for. We were made for each other. We were made for a family. 
that's what God intended in the first place. And I realize it's difficult. You've got to get on with people like me. Yep. Just ask my family. But we were made for family. It matters. It really matters. And then lastly, uh, finishing well. One of the greatest privileges of my life, I think, is a, a journey alongside some Christians to enable them to finish well. Often in deep vulnerability, I was with my parents as they both, not all the time, but over a period of time, were watching them both with dementia, godly men and women, as they stayed faithful to the end. And then when they had no power themselves, virtually. But actually, we called to help each other to finish the race, to get to the end. As a church, we're obviously really grateful to all those who've gone generations before, who we're just part of the next generation of kind of the great cloud of witnesses who would want to cheer us on and say, come on, run the race well. Come on. Encourage each other. Keep going. We've been given, most of us have been given an inheritance, a spiritual inheritance at some point, which otherwise you wouldn't be here this morning. And that's for yours to nurture, to fan into flame and to help other people's inheritance to fan into flame and to grow and to mature and to reach its fulfillment, to spread. What God, those God has given a lot to, he says he expects quite a lot of. So if you've been a Christian many, many years, like I have, God has given you a load, actually it needs to get out. It needs to bless Sorry, in the last few months, um, I've had the privilege of sitting under um, two pastors in their ministry and their teaching in the last few months, both of whom were over 80. Kind of two pastors coming, teaching, ministering, sharing, loving God, sharing his word, still blessing, still sharing, still praying, still giving. The Christian life is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And if you're, sorry, if, if you're still breathing, God has purpose for you. It really is. There's things you can do that no one else can do. Now, if you're, you may simply have to pick up the phone once a week and encourage somebody. That may be all you feel you can manage. That's great. That's adding. Many of us can do a lot more than that. That's adding. As we come towards the end of Acts, I'm also really struck that in Paul we see why is it that Paul is so focused on what God has called him to. And of course it's that eternal destiny that all of us have in Christ to see and to be with Christ for eternity, to see him face to face. To be face to face with loving mercy, with perfect joy and peace with bounding grace and compassion, with power and with majesty, with beauty and with splendor, with holiness and glory, face to face with the living Lord Jesus Christ, who for your sake and my sake came to this earth, lived, ministered, suffered, died, rose again for our sake. 
lived the perfect life to enable us who are imperfect to live with him in eternity. To pull things under his feet so that we could spend eternity with him. And leaving his personal presence, the presence of Jesus with us on earth to accomplish all that he has through us. Paul gets to his destination in Rome. He spends two years, but he still continues to minister. He's fulfilled in many senses the purpose God both spoke over him and all called him to, even while under house arrest in Rome. And of course, it's been quite a journey, as Joe referred to right at the beginning. Mountains and valleys, storms and shipwreck, prison and praise, And actually the encouragement I have for you this morning is God still wants to use his people, us, you and me, for his purposes today. As I was reading this week, I've discovered that apparently the Greeks had a a race in their Olympic Games that was actually quite unique. The winner was not the runner who finished first. It's the runner who finished with his torch still lit. Do you know, I hope this morning that you and I want to run that race with a flame of our torch still burning bright for him. And actually, if you're really struggling with that this morning, take courage. We offer ourselves afresh to God this morning, ask him to, to renew us, to strengthen us for kind of the path around the path of the journey. You may be in an amazing season, you may be in a dreadful season but God wants to use us for his purposes and his glory this morning. Let's pray. Actually, I'm going to encourage you if you're able to stand. That'd be great. We're going to, in a minute, we're going to worship, simply worship in response to the goodness of God and his great faithfulness to us. But Father, I, I ask afresh, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us afresh with your power and your love? It's so easy to be overwhelmed by observing all that's happened in Acts and think that we haven't got a hope of being anything like that but we know that it's simply a testimony to your power and your grace and your love at work in the world. And Father, I pray for us this morning, for those particularly who are struggling to stay faithful. Would you come afresh upon them? Strengthen them in their inner being, I pray, with power from on high to keep walking the narrow road that leads to life. Father, help them, I pray this morning. And for those of us maybe who are struggling to kind of spread the good news of Jesus and feeling very self-conscious or not able, would you fall afresh upon us? Give us courage. 
Help us to see the opportunities that you place in front of us in our daily lives to bless others, to encourage others, to share some good news with others. And Father, I pray too for each one of us that we would come afresh to you as a source for life and power to finish well, to finish what you've called us to, to continue to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.